Good morning. So today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Morning again. Thank you, Nancy. So I want to ask a series of questions. Honest, honest questions. Be honest. Um, how many of you guys, without looking at the person next to you, how many of you guys could say by a show of hands that you know somebody, whether you are married to them, you live with them, your son, your daughter, your parent, your neighbor, friend at church, someone in your life group, who has issues that they need to grow in that bother you? Raise your hand. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Just want to get a feel for how. Okay, put, put them down. Put them down. We know. We can see people. You know, we can see other people's issues. Here's the next question. How many of you would say, be honest, because... Let me preface this question by acknowledging, we, we all know that we're not perfect. So I'm not asking, do you know that you're imperfect? I'm asking, do you see the issues that you have that you still need to grow in? How many would you say so? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good. You can see it. Frank has two hands. As he should. As he should. Next question. Out of those of you who just put your hand up, you, you, you can recognize issues in yourself, areas where you need to grow, whether that's bitterness and, or unforgiveness, you're a control freak or whatever. You have bad temper, you have addictive behaviors. How many of you would say you actually want to grow in those areas? Okay. Okay, that's good. That's encouraging. Now, last question, for those who just put your hands up, how many of you would say, and be honest, how many of you would say you expect and have confidence that you will grow in those areas? Okay. Well, that's good. That's very good. So that's easy. This is an easy, good start to something new. Here's the good news. Jesus, even though he sees your issues better than you see your issues, and he knows that you're more jacked up than you even think you are, and he wants you to grow more than you want to grow. The good news is that he is more committed to your growth than you are to your own growth. So committed, in fact, that for all those who have trusted in him, he has put his very spirit inside of us. This is what it means to be a Christian, to have the spirit of the God of the universe in us. That's what, you can't be a Christian without the Spirit of God in you. Jesus uh, was talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus at one point. Nicodemus was like, hey, what do I got to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said something crazy. He said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, some of you guys, 
You might be thinking, born again has these negative connotations sometimes in our cultures. Some of you have warned your friends, don't worry, True Life Church is not one of those born again churches. But I got news for you. You can't be the church without being born again. You can't be part of Christ's church without being born again. If that's confusing, it was confusing for Nicodemus. He's like, what do you mean? Verse 4, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. Doesn't make sense. And Jesus explained, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus is saying that just like God spoke the universe into creation, he breathes new life into souls by the power of his Spirit. And they're born again, a new creation, something brand new. And, like a baby who is born, is inclined to grow, those of us who are born again when we trust in Jesus, as many issues as we may have, we are now inclined to grow into the image of Jesus by the power of, of his spirit that's in us. That's the natural inclination for us. Like when a baby's born, it can't walk, it can't talk, it's small, but it is naturally going to grow bigger and it will eventually, barring handicaps and disabilities, walk and talk, right? That's the natural progression, right? Same with us who are born again. We might be, you know, go, oh man, I got this addiction, and I got this issue, and I got this. But God's like, hey, my spirit's in you. I'm going to complete the work I started. You're going to grow just like a baby's bound to grow. And yet, we are invited to partner in, with him in that process. What do good parents do, for example, with a new, brand new baby? Do they say, hey, let's just see, when, when he, whenever he walks, he walks. Whenever he talks, he talks. Or does a good parent participate in the process? Do they say, hey, come on, let's try to walk. Try to take a step. Oh, that's okay, you fell. Let's give it another shot. Say mama. Say dada. Say doggy. Right? We participate in the process that's already happening. And likewise, God invites us to participate in the process of our own growth partnering with the Holy Spirit's actions in us. And one of the primary ways we get to partner with him is through prayer. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series called Powerful Prayers for Weak People. By weak, we mean those who can recognize that we don't have the power in and of ourselves to grow into the image and likeness of Jesus. We need God's power. We need God's work. Those of us who recognize that, man, I want to forgive somebody, but I can't. I'm stuck. My heart's hard. I'm stuck in bitterness. I need help, God. Those of us who know that we should be more relationally vulnerable, but we're guarded because of past hurts. My God, I don't want to be so emotionally paralyzed. Help me. Powerful prayers for weak people. We're going to be talking about specific practical prayers that we can be praying over the next few weeks. Starting with this one. Fill me with your spirit. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It's um, seven weeks after Easter, Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost was celebrated uh, fi the 50th day after Passover for the Jews. And then uh, the, the, the church was filled with the spirit seven weeks after Jesus rose from the, from the dead. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And so 
it's appropriate to start with this prayer. God, fill me with your spirit. And this comes from the passage that Nancy read in Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk on wine. It leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Now, if you're paying attention, you might be wondering, well, why would Paul say this? He's writing to Christians. Why would Paul say to tell Christians, be filled with the spirit, if we already saw that to be a Christian, you have the spirit in you? So why would he say, isn't that kind of like saying, be born again, again, and be born? Because that's what Paul's saying. It's a continual present tense verbiage here. Be continually getting filled with the Spirit. How could you do that if you already have the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'll use this analogy to set it up. There's a, a story, and I don't think it's true. I heard it. Um, of a man who inherited a farm from his uncle who died. And on that farm was multiple fields, and under one of the fields, it was buried gold, $2.4 million in gold, according to the current uh, economic, uh, you know, where it was at at the time. And so, $2.4 million in gold under one field, it was outlined in a letter attached to the deed, but the man who inherited the farm never read the letter. So he didn't know he had all this gold. So he's a millionaire. And yet, for the rest of his life, there was moments and times and seasons where he was pinching pennies. One of his kids couldn't go to college. He was struggling at times to put food on the table. But he didn't have to struggle if he knew he had this gold underneath this field. And he died knowing or not knowing that he was a millionaire. And that's kind of what it is for some believers in Jesus. We have the Spirit of God in us. And yet we go through life trying to change in our own strength. We go through life appearing to the world like miserable sourpusses, sometimes anxious and afraid of more things than the rest of the world is anxious and afraid of, as if God's not on the throne. When God's like, hey, you got my spirit to fill you with joy, to fill you with peace, to empower you to do things that maybe you otherwise can't do in your own strength. And so, God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Let me just pray before we continue on. Can you pray with me? Jesus, 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 help us to get something out of this today and, and act on it. We want to partner with you in what you're doing in us. We want to be a praying church, a church that prays, not like the rest of the world prays. Jesus, you said don't pray like the pagans. Everybody prays. We want to pray like we're your children, with confidence, with boldness, believing and expecting you to do a work as a result of our prayers. Help us walk out of here today more passionate and determined to be praying people and expect you to respond in particular to this prayer to fill us. In your name, amen. So after Jesus died and rose again, we're just going to try to understand the Holy Spirit, uh, his coming, the difference between him living in us and being filled with the Spirit. After Jesus died and rose again, he said to his disciples on one occasion, before he ascended into heaven, he gathered them together, and he said in Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
So you guys will be my witnesses. The Greek word is martus. Well, one person explained it like this. It means you're a storyteller unto death. You're going to tell the story of the risen Savior, even if it costs you your life. You're going to represent him. You're going to demonstrate his love, his power to the world around you, to the ends of the earth. But first, Jesus says, you need power to do this. You cannot go talking about me in your own strength. That's not going to be very effective. You, you can't try to uh, just get people to believe in me uh, using human rationale. You need my power, and you'll get my power when the Spirit comes on you. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so, after that, the disciples continued to look up into the sky and wait for Jesus to return. Just kidding, they didn't do that. They went back to their homes, turned on the TV, sat on the couch, and said, well, let's hunker down until Jesus returns. They didn't do that either. They didn't do that either. They went to Jerusalem. They went to upper room and they prayed and they waited because they knew they had a mission to accomplish. But they knew that in order to accomplish this mission, they needed the Spirit's power. So they waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed. And then in Acts 2, it says when the day of Pentecost came. This was the Feast of Pentecost. Jews would be gathered together in Jerusalem. Again, this was the 50th day after Passover. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there was a tangible manifestation of that power coming and filling them. It wasn't like, hey guys, I think we have the Spirit. Let's just believe it and let's just move on. It was tangible. They could tell that something had happened. Peter is filled with boldness. He gets up and preaches this sermon. Peter had denied knowing Jesus just a few weeks, 50 days, right, prior to this. And now he says to a crowd in Jerusalem, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead. He could have been killed for saying such a thing, but he has this boldness. Hearts are pierced. 3,000 people trust in Jesus that day. It's possible that was only 3,000 men plus women and children who are baptized into the church. This church is born. It's exploding. People are selling their houses and their land and giving it to the church, saying, hey, whoever needs my money, here. I'll sleep on my uncle's couch so y'all can have the proceeds from the sale of my land. Generosity is a mark of the Spirit's power. This supernatural generosity. So all these things are happening, and it's a tangible mark that the Holy Spirit has touched them. Now, some would say that this was just a one-time event. This only happened one time at the beginning of the church. Some of you guys have had experiences in your own spiritual lives, and sometimes we fall into this rut of thinking, well, that happened one time in my life to show me that God was real, and now I'm just kind of, now we, we're kind of fighting in our own strength to get through the day. We're fighting in our own strength, putting on fake smiles, because we're not experiencing this supernatural joy anymore. We're trying to love people who are difficult, and we're getting tired of it, and we're saying, no, never mind, and we're backing off, and we're starting to take it easy and just saying, come on, 
just let this let my life tick down let the clock run out let Jesus come back but the holy spirit wants to continually fill us and mark us with his power in the rest of the book of acts we see that the the writer Luke said over and over again and Peter filled with the spirit and Paul filled with the spirit and Stephen filled with the spirit people who were already had the holy spirit in them it kept happening over and over again. In, in chapter 4 of Acts, Peter and John, filled with the Spirit, preach. They get arrested. They get beaten. They get let out of jail. When they gather together, the church gathers to pray. They don't pray for comforts. They don't say, protect us from all these evil people. They don't say, please turn us into a Christian nation so that it's easier on us and so that we can, you know, say under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what they pray for? They pray for boldness. God, stretch out your hand to heal do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Bring glory to yourself. And look what happened in Acts 4.31. They prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke boldly because the Holy Spirit filled them because they needed to be filled over and over and over and over again. It wasn't a one-time occurrence. They needed it over and over. And if we can recognize that, yeah, I am weak in my own strength. I wake up with racing thoughts and I'm anxious about things and I don't fully trust God with my day. I need to be filled with the Spirit. And I can love somebody one day and the next day I'm tired of them. So I need to be filled with the Spirit to have the power to love them. And I get scared to talk to somebody about Jesus and I need him to fill me with boldness. I used to have boldness, but I need it again. And I need it again. And I need it again. That's the idea here. A.W. Tozer said this, no one ever received the Holy Spirit's power without knowing it. It marks our lives. And it should continually mark our lives. Not one time in the past. Not when we went to some special service one time back in the day and that we, could, we keep telling the same story over and over and over again. He wants to continually mark our lives. And that's why Paul said to the Ephesian church, don't get drunk with wine that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's telling Christians who have the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Don't get filled up on and controlled by and intoxicated by wine. And I think you can insert many other things into there, not wine. You know, Don't get filled up and intoxicated by video games, chasing money, selfish ambition, TV, whatever it is is but be filled by the spirit be controlled by driven by empowered by the spirit think about marriage i'm married to jess we have a union but i could be in union with her and not have communion with her right i could have union with her but we could ignore each other across the house we could make plans and decisions for our lives as if we're still single i could live my day without thinking oh what does she need today what's her preferences today what are decisions we need to make together? I can not do that. Or I can let the fact that we're married dictate my thought patterns, dictate my decisions, dictate how I feel and think during the day. What does she need? And that's kind of the idea here. You can have the Holy Spirit, but not say, oh, I need you to direct my steps, to empower my steps. I need you to control me, drive me. The analogy sort of breaks down because Jess doesn't have the power to fill me, to give me power. The Holy Spirit does, right? But I hope you get the idea. We can have the Holy Spirit and not 
rely on him. Going back to that analogy with the men who had the field of gold and didn't know it, Paul's saying, guys, you have gold. <laughs> Be, use it. Dig it up. Spend it for God's kingdom. Go back and get more. Spend it for God's kingdom. Stop acting like you're broke. Stop acting like you're poor. You've got the money. Spend it for God's kingdom. And Paul's saying, guys, stop acting like you're still belonging to the world. Stop acting like you don't have the spirit. Be filled with him. Let him control you. you let him fill you every day. And we saw in Acts these spectacular ways that the Spirit marks us, but Paul will show a few other ways that the Holy Spirit marks us, because he marks us in different ways. The results of being filled with the Spirit are all different. Look at the list he goes into. <clears throat> Jeff, I froze. There we go. Addressing one another in psalms and so be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Those are results of, marks of, one who has been filled with the Spirit. Let's break it down. You're filled with the Spirit, you will sing and praise God. So if you come in here week after week on a Sunday and you stand there like a stoic going, mm, I don't like this song and the guitar's a little off and mm, I don't know if I'm going to sing to that. You need to be filled with the Spirit. If you're always distracted and thinking about, I got to get home and I got to do this and this and this and that and this song is going on too long. You need to be filled with the Spirit if you can't praise God. Giving thanks. For everything, always, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thankfulness is a mark of being filled with the Spirit. If you're always grumbling and complaining, if you're always a negative Nelly about everything, if you're always throwing pity parties, you do not need your church friends to pat you on the back saying, there, there, now, life is hard, you poor baby. You need to be filled with the Spirit so that you can be thankful. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying we don't mourn with each other. We don't mourn with those who mourn. We don't empathize with pain. Absolutely. But we know that there's a difference between mourning and grieving and throwing pity parties. God's will for our lives is that we would mourn for what he mourns for, but we will not throw pity parties. And so if that's, if that's our tendency, if we're negative, if friends are like, oh, you're so negative, we need to be filled with the Spirit so we can be thankful in everything. And then verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The NIV, this is the ESV translation, it's more word, it's more literal. Uh, NIV, NLT, don't get this one right, I don't think. Because um, they put verse 21 as a separate sentence. Submit to one another out of reverence. But it's a phrase that follows, be filled with the Spirit. It is a description of being filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul launches into household relationships and what it particularly looks like in the household. We've husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and bond servants, uh, what it looks like to have submissive hearts in those relationships. But this is for everyone. Be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ because you're filled with the Spirit. It's a mark of one who has been filled. With, you're going to have a submissive heart. You're going to say, you know what? I don't need to have my way. You're right. We can, we can go your way. We can go your preference. It's okay. I don't have to prove myself here. I don't have to uh, defend myself. You're, you're, let, let's go with your idea here. 
That's a submissive heart. If you're somebody who always has to get your way and you think that it's powerful to always be asserting yourself, that's not a mark of being filled with the Spirit. That's, that's a lack of strength. The strength and the power of the Spirit is, huh, it's okay. I don't need things to be fair. You can have it. I'm good. I belong to Jesus. I'm good. Submitting to one another is a mark of the Spirit moving in us. So it looks different. It, it, all of us need God's Spirit to continually change us, transform us, and mark us. It's going to look different for all of us. We all have our different issues, right? One person, for example, may be a people pleaser, and they may have a hard time speaking up. Maybe they, you know, they, they, they see friends heading off a cliff and they won't say anything to warn them because they're afraid of rocking the boat. They won't confront somebody who's struggling with something because they're afraid of what are they going to think of me. Maybe there's a meeting and they're like, oh, I got something to say. I feel like God's prompting me to say something. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to look weird. And the spirit will, needs to give them boldness to speak up and, 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 and confront that friend and share their idea. Another person might have no problem opening their mouth. In fact, they open their mouth too darn much. They think that everybody needs to hear their opinions on everything. And the Holy Spirit needs to give them the power to have self-control and shut the heck up sometimes. And pick and choose with discernment when open their mouth. So it's different. Our, our denomination puts it like this. Expectation without agenda. We expect the Holy Spirit to continually mark us and change us and transform us, but we don't have an agenda for how that needs to be. We don't have a formula for how that needs to be. We don't say, well, I went to a church, and this is what they did, and so our church needs to do that if we're really going to be spirit-filled. Right? We don't do that. We say, God, do your work. Fill me. Fill us. I don't know what it needs to look like. Expectation without agenda. But for all of us, I want us to be praying this week. Let's put it into practice. Fill me. Fill me. When you're feeling empty of anything, fill me. When you're feeling empty of peace and you're anxious and things feel out of control, God, fill me with your peace so that I can rest in your sovereign control instead of trying to be in control of everything. When you're worried about friends or family rejecting you. If there's anybody in here who, you know, you, you tend to think, well, I sent that text and they haven't gotten back to me. What if they're mad at me? You know, if you ever struggle with that, fill me, Jesus, with a reminder of how much you love me so that I'm not so worried about other people accepting me and thinking well of me all the time. I'm feeling dry today. I'm feeling distant. Jesus, fill me with an awareness of your presence. Fill me with an awareness of your love for me. I'm confused about what to do here. Fill me with wisdom. Wherever we're empty of, we get to pray, God, fill me. Fill me. I can't love this difficult person. Or I, 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 I want to pray for somebody, but I'm scared to. Fill me with boldness. The Apostle Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.3. He said, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now think about this. This hit me, this hit me really hard a couple years ago. His divine power. Okay, think about this. Think about this. I want to I make sure you guys are thinking about this. <laughs> 
All right, I'm looking around. Think about this, teenagers, kids, Kayla, everybody, think about this. His divine power, through his spirit, has given you everything you need to live a godly life. Whatever God's called you to do, all the commands in scripture, you have everything you need to obey them. What's our tendency? Well, I need more money. I need a different spouse. If somebody didn't hurt me in my childhood, then I would be more loving. No, 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 no. You have everything you need, Peter says. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Come on. Thank you for the one clap. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> the other ones will get it. <laughs> you have everything you need. I, I need to be right with that. I have everything I need. If somebody's bothering me and I can't love them, I can't blame them. Oh, they came at me like this or their tone was like that. No, I have everything I need to love them. It doesn't matter how they react. It doesn't matter how they're, well they're loving me. I've got everything I need to live out Jesus' commands. Now, I'm going to fail, of course, right? There's not an expectation of perfection. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But the idea is that we don't make excuses for ourselves and go, well, you know, I've been like this for so long. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. No. You can't go, no, this is going to break. This mindset, this behavior, this addictive issue, it's going to break. It's got to. I've got everything I need. I've got everything I need for a godly life. So, as I end, I want to I give you five action steps. Okay? You can take a photo, write it down, but somehow take note of this. At least three of them should apply to everybody. Hopefully. Okay? At least, at least two or three of them should apply to everybody. Number one, take time in the morning to pray and ask God to fill you. So when you wake up, if you have a habit of doing this, of, of getting in God's word, great. If you don't, try to start one where you're just, we're waking up and just start, just start with this prayer. God, fill me. Take inventory of what's coming up for the day and take inventory of where your soul is at, where your mind is at. Do you have racing thoughts? Sometimes I wake up with racing thoughts. God, fill me with peace. I can't make sense of all these thoughts right now. Fill me with peace. Sometimes I wake up with a sense of dread for a meeting I have. Oh, I don't want to do that meeting. God, fill me with your joy. Fill me with expectation that you're in this. Sometimes some kind of on Sundays I wake up. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like preaching today. God, fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill me with a sense of expectation. Fill me with passion. Fill me. So take inventory on a morning, every morning. God, I need you. I need you. Especially if you're the type of person like, yo, I can't pray in the morning. I'm so out of it. Especially you need to pray. God, fill me today. I don't even want to think about you right now. Fill me with your awe. Fill me with a fresh desire to know you. Because I don't want to right now, if I'm honest. Number two, that's number one. Number two, when check engine lights come on in your soul, ask God to fill you. So throughout the day, I don't know if anybody ever experiences this, but throughout the day, you get what the world would call triggered. Hmm? Somebody says something in a meeting and you feel suddenly anxious or mad or offended. Your spouse does something and all of a sudden the hairs on your neck go up. You feel that knot in your stomach. You get on defense. You feel anxious, angry. You get triggered in some way. Those are check engine lights of the soul. And you know what you need the most right then and there? Not to convince the other person that you're right and they're wrong. Not to control circumstances, not to get louder, not to send a longer text, 
Maybe they'll get it this time. You need to stop and say, God, fill me. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Whatever it you need, ask him to fill you with it. Sometimes I go to the bathroom. And I go, okay, God, fill me right now. This is, this is, this is I'm confused about the, how to handle this. Fill me. I, I don't know how to love this person. Fill me. I try to have a practice or a, a routine of getting home towards the middle of the day to take my dog out and I kind of try not to be on the phone although sometimes I can't avoid that but try not I try to use that as a time to just pray for the rest of the day all right God this is coming up and this is coming up but this is what I'm feeling right now and I'm anxious about this fill me fill me with peace fill me with your joy the fruit of the spirit or give me boldness about this. God, I'm going to be praying for somebody who needs healing. God, work through this. Flex your muscles. Do a miracle that I can't do in my own strength. Number three, when you feel God calling you to step outside your comfort zone to serve him, ask God to fill you. Things that you get scared about, things that you get intimidated by, you're insecure about. Maybe somebody asks you to share your testimony at a life group. You're like, I can't do that. That's, that's too vulnerable. That's too scary. God, Give me boldness. Fill me. Maybe you see someone in a store who's hurting, and they're a stranger, and you feel a prompting by God to pray for them. But you're like, oh, that's going to be weird. But you feel it. And, and you're overwhelmed with compassion, but boldness doesn't match the compassion. God, give me boldness to match this compassion so that I can offer to pray for them. Maybe it's something bigger. Maybe it's filling you with courage to take a mission trip. Make a major change in your life. You feel like God's asking you to, to do something different with your life. Leave a job. Start something new. Ask God to fill you because you keep getting overwhelmed by fear. Number four, if you're feeling needy today, let our team pray for you and ask God to fill you. We'll have some prayer team members down front here. Uh, if you need something today, you're feeling empty, you're feeling dry, you're feeling angry, we'll pray for you today. Nothing magical about these guys. But we want to, as a church body, partner with each other and pray for each other. So when the band is singing, and we'll have communion down here that you can come grab, there will be prayer team members available. If you want to pray for somebody, with somebody, we'll pray for you. And then lastly, number five. Number five, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then profess he's Lord and receive his spirit today. If you don't belong to Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you don't have his spirit. That's what he says. You're not born again yet. But the wind blows wherever it will, right? And maybe it's blowing today and blowing in your heart and saying, hey, I've been chasing you down for years. It's time. It's time to give your life to me. It's time to let me put my spirit in you and change you and transform you. Some of you maybe grew up in church and you hear these things from your parents, but you personally never gave your life to Jesus. Maybe you're here because a friend dragged you. I don't know. But if that's the case, again, we'll have prayer team members down here. You can come down and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. We'll pray for you for that. So those are five potential next steps. I'm going to call the band down here at the moment. And if I can have a few prayer members, Pastor Rigo and others from the prayer team, maybe just a couple on each side. These guys will lead us. 
communion is down front here so that anybody who wants to receive communion at any point while we're worshiping, you can do so. If you're not a believer, if you're still exploring the claims of Jesus, please don't feel any obligation or pressure to take communion. We don't want you to do it with an insincere heart or out of, you know, just phony religiosity. But if you're a believer in Jesus, whether you go to True Life or somewhere else, you're welcome to receive communion with us. We set it up today differently. There's a basket on each side of the stage so that you can come down, you can grab the elements, you can come with a friend, with your spouse, with your child. You can receive it together when you're ready, when you want to. But let's just remember what it means. The cracker represents Jesus' body given. The juice, his blood spilled. Not just so that we can be forgiven, although that is a wonderful gift that we get when we trust in Jesus. But it's more than that. Jesus allowed his body to be punished and pummeled and tortured and crucified in order to absorb the curse of this world on our behalf so that we could be victorious over the curse of this world. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment of our future inheritance, the Bible says. It's a down payment of our future inheritance in us. So Jesus died so that he could live his life in us by his spirit. That's what we're remembering. Yes, my sins are forgiven. So that I can have your divine nature in me. Man, still so unfathomable, isn't it? So let's stand. Man's gonna lead us. Like I said, come down and receive communion anytime you want. We've got prayer team members on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything, you're feeling empty or needy for anything, come be prayed over. We're going to take our time.